You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. So, I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 25. This morning we're going to continue our series called uh, Renamed. We started this last week. A new series is looking at people in Scripture whose names started something and then were changed over the course of time. God changed their name. And so we're just beginning to look at a series of characters. Last week we looked at uh, a man by the name of Abram and his wife Sarai. And uh, they, you may know them as their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah. Remember, Abram just meant exalted father, but then Abraham meant father of many nations, right? Father of multitudes, and Sarah meant princess. Her name got changed. It was like noble woman. It really didn't mean that much of a difference. It was more signifying a change in her life. But if you remember, Abram didn't believe that God could do this. He kind of laughed at it, so that was kind of funny. You know, God's because he had no kids of his own. They were really, really old, um, and they were like, yeah, I don't think we're going to be having kids anytime soon. And God said, okay, so just before that, I'm going to name your son Isaac, which means laughter. So I'm going to give you a kid named laughter just to remind you. And, uh, and it's just became a way to understand that God calls us what we will be, not what we are. He looked at Abraham and said, hey, I know you've got no kids. And I'm going to call you father of nations, father of multitudes. And God looks at us and doesn't say, hey, I see you as you are. He says, I'm going to call you as you will be. And uh, just uh, just an inch, a powerful thought of what God does for us. And this week we're going to look at now uh, Abraham's grandson, right? So another story from the Old Testament. So Abraham had a son, right? Isaac, laughter, right? And Isaac had two boys, right? This is the beginning of God's promise to Abraham, right? That you're going to be the father of multitudes. So this is now God's beginning to flesh this out and say, okay, this is actually happening. So Isaac has two boys. So, right? Abraham had one. Isaac had two. You can see where this is going. They're multiplying. This is great. And the two sons, Jacob. And Esau, anybody hear those? You've heard of those? Maybe you're familiar with those stories. Um, we're going to read just Genesis 25, just a little bit of the account there, and then uh, we'll break down that story just a little bit. But So pick it up in Genesis 25, verse 19. Again, grandsons of Abraham. And you can read along. It'll be on the screen as well, as in the Bibles, if you'd like to just read uh, for yourself there. It says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of uh, Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. Again, uh-oh, God, this promise you made is not going to carry on. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Anybody got twins? How many of you have twins? Some of you have twins. I know one, two. That's it. Just, oh, right, so that's it. Yeah, just this side of the room. So don't sit on that side. All right, stay away from that side of the room. Something in the water. All right, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. Again, he's not calling them what they are. He's calling them what they will be, right? They're going to be two nations. These are like little beans fighting with each other, but they're going to be nations one day. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. Anybody got boys? 
Are they rivals? Do you understand? Okay, I have two boys. I understand that. One nation will be stronger than the other. I also understand that. And your older son will serve your younger. It's actually not too hard for me to imagine that either. Um, not at all. You know, like it totally makes sense. Um, I won't tell stories about them, but I could. Um, and when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Let's just stop there. I mean, listen, you're going to, I'm sorry. Babies are ugly anyway. All babies look like aliens, right? They don't look human until like three, four months somewhere. Like, you know, they just weird. My son had a cone head. He was, he was, it was, it was weird. But covered with thick hair like a fur coat. My goodness, that's, what is that? Right? So glad they didn't have pictures back then, you know. Hey, here are the two babies. You know, so they named him Esau, right, which means hairy. Right. They just said, hey, let's just let's just go with it. Right. Which one? Let's just call him hair. Right. Harry. All right. <laughs> the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Jacob means literally heel grabber. Someone grabs and clutches at the heel of another. Right. So the Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. So this old dad anyway. But Jacob here. Right. Heel grabber. This is the story we're going to focus in on Jacob, right? He's got a brother named Harry. Um, and Jacob absolutely lived up to this name. His name was heel grabber. And so it kind of got this connotation, right, of somebody who's kind of always trying to, trying to reach for something, striving, right? Somebody who's always trying to reach for something that's not theirs, right? Like just clutching and if you read through the scriptures, we're not going to have time to go through all the stories, but his brother became a great hunter. It said Jacob was more genteel. Let's just use that word. He was, he was softer, right? And so his brother would go in the fields and Jacob would hang out in the house, right? He was just not like rough and tumble kind of guy. Esau, his, I mean, his name's Harry, right? He lived up to that too. He's like, oh, yo, me, me fight, me heat, right? It's Esau, right? He's just out there. And Esau went on this long journey hunting. He comes back and he's famished. And Jacob's like, hey, you know, I made some nice soup. And, and Esau's like, give me some. He's like, well, listen, if you want my soup, just, just tr- trade me your birthright, right? Which at that time was, I mean, listen, birthright, oldest son gets all this stuff that goes with being the right, being the firstborn. They get the inheritance. They get all, you know, all his parents' money, all that kind of stuff, right? And so Esau's like, I'm hungry. I don't really care. It doesn't mean anything if I'm going to die. Just give me the food. Yeah, sure, whatever. So Jacob just sort of like sneakily, right, just tricks his brother and, and, and gets that from his brother. And then later on, we find that it's time for his, his father Isaac's about to pass. And he's, when the father passes, he confers a blessing on the son. So the blessing of the birthright should go to the firstborn Esau. And, and Jacob again tricks his father, right? He actually puts on a fur coat to try and pretend like his, his father's blind by now. He's old. He's about to die. And so his father says, you know, to his older son, hey, go, go out, you know, catch me something and then I'll, you know, make a meal for me and I'll give you my blessing. So Esau goes out from the hunt. Jacob sees his opportunity, you know, schemes actually with his mom. They go, they put on some stuff because he's like, listen, if my dad feels my arms, he's going to know I'm not Esau. So he's like, yeah, we'll put on a fur coat, goat skin. They actually put goat skin on him. And his father's like, ah, you sound like Jacob, but come closer. And he touches him. He smells like, yeah, you smell like Esau. You got to be Esau. 
You know, so even though you sound like Jacob, I can't see you. So the father pronounces the firstborn blessing on Jacob, steals the blessing. Esau comes back and is like, what did you do? Right. He's like, father, bless me. And he says, you know, father says, I'll try and bless you, but I've already given. I can't undo what I've done. So Jacob's this sort of deceiver, right, just heel grabber, like he's living up to this name. And then so Jacob's like, all right, my brother's going to kill me. So he runs away. He's like, I'm just going to get out of Dodge for a little while. He goes and he finds himself in his father-in-law's, his father-in-law Laban, right? We found out that was the, uh, so his, his uncle's house. And he, and he finds, right, this young, young girl. He's like, oh, she's beautiful. Her name's Rachel. I want to marry her. And the father-in-law says, sure, that's fine. Work for me seven years. I'll give you Rachel. He works seven years. And he's like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm making it work. Everything's going well. I'm going to get this beautiful girl. And the father-in-law tricks him and gives him the sister, Leah. And all we know about Leah is that it says she had dull eyes. Sorry, Leah. I don't know what that meant. I'm not going to try and guess what that meant. But Jacob wasn't really interested in Leah. He wanted Rachel. So the father-in-law says, okay, listen, I'll give you Rachel too, which was a whole other thing, two wives. I don't even, I'm not going to go into that. But he says, listen, I'll give you that too, but you've got to work another seven years. So Jacob, the one who's always deceiving, he gets deceived. Right? He comes back on him a little bit. So he's just sort of at, along the way now. He's like trying to watch out for his own best interest, right? So he's always trying to um, build his own flocks as he's taking care of his father-in-law's flocks. So he's got goats and there's this weird thing about striped goats and spotted goats. He's like, listen, I'll give you all the pure unspotted goats and I'll just take the striped goats. And so he'd find ways to get the striped goats to only mate with each other. So they'd only just make more striped goats. And so he had a whole flock of striped goats and Laban's like, hey, you're tricking me. This is not cool. So there's this constant tension. Jacob's just somebody. I want to paint a picture. He's just somebody who's constantly trying to get ahead. Trying to manipulate things, always. That's his lifestyle, right? His whole life, he's been living up to the name heel grabber, right? So if your name is Jacob, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to call you that. But Jacob lived up to that. He was self-sufficient. He was the self-made man. He was making a name for himself. He was always looking to see how can I leverage the situation for my best interest. This is Jacob, his whole life, right? You know people like this? They always got an angle, right? They're always working like... You know that every conversation you have with somebody, they're trying to do something to manipulate, to posture themselves for themselves. Don't point. But do you know people like that? Okay. But we live with these people, right? They're always just trying. Nothing is just as it seems. They're always working behind the, behind the scenes for themselves, trying to manipulate, trying to control. He deceived, he hustled, and he strived, and he always seemed to get what he was after. And he got away with it, and he was pretty proud of himself. Until one day, Jacob found that he couldn't outrun, outwit, or outthink his way out of trouble. One day, he's, he's now left Laban. He's, 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 again, found out a way to kind of trick. He leaves in the middle of the night. Right? He tricks his father-in-law, and it, it goes away. He's trying to escape. He's just trying to get his own way. He goes away, and as he's on his way with them, he's got his families. He's got all these herds. He's got all this stuff that he's built my kingdom. And he's, and he's, he's on his way, and he hears that Esau is coming. Esau has heard that Jacob is coming back. Their father has passed, and, and Esau is coming with, with men, with like an army, a couple hundred guys. Now, if you're Jacob, right, and you know your brother, you know how long it's been, and you know the last time you left, what do you think Esau is going to do when he finds you? He's going to make you pay, right? It's due day. Right, it's time to get to get what's coming to you. It's been years and years. Dad's gone now. I'm gonna smush you, little bro. 
Right? So Esau is coming, and Jacob is coming face to face with the reality. All along the way, it's only been him, but now it's his family, and he recognizes he can't protect his family. I can't, you know, I, I can't stop this thing from happening to us. It's beyond my control. All along, I've been in control, but now in this moment, he understands it's a fight I can't win. It's a circumstance I can't manipulate my way around. My brother's coming. I got people. I got families, and he's, he's running towards me. You know he's going to be unable, and he doesn't know where else to turn. So let's fast forward Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Again, it's going to be on the screen. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. Genesis 32, verse 22. And it says this, during the night, now Jacob's running. They're, they're, it, it's, it's coming. It's happening. So he got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. Right? And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This, so he says, hey, everybody go across the river. I'm going to stay here for the night. Because tomorrow it's coming and I just need some time to think about this. Right? I just need to get my head straight. So he's all alone in the camp. It says a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. That's just a weird sentence in, just in general. He's out there all alone and all of a sudden there's a man and he's wrestling. Okay. We're going to continue. What does that mean? It says when the man saw that he would not win the match. Jacob's just continuing. I mean, what is Jacob, right? He's a heel grabber. He's a guy that just fights and fights and fights. He's stubborn. So the man saw he could not win the match. He touched Jacob's hit, hip and wrenched it out of its socket. The man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. All right? <laughs> this is Jacob. Right. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. I hope you understand this is not just a man. Right. We're going we're gonna to figure this out here. This is, this is something supernatural. What is your name? The man asked. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. Anybody who has the right to name you has authority over you, just so we're clear. Right. So if you're being named by somebody else, they've got authority. So this person, whoever it was, has authority. says, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men, and have won. So God is revealing himself. Now, this is, this is a representative of God. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, and he blessed Jacob there. He didn't tell him. And says, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So you understand now, Jacob was wrestling with God all night. right? And then the last verse, verse 31, it says, The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. So I just want to just point out a few things here. Jacob wasn't like super strong. He wasn't like this amazing wrestler, like I'm pretty good at wrestling. You know, I mean, I've been, you know, no, he was, he was a heel grabber, right? He was just a, a weasel, right? We, we said this years ago. He was just a, right? his brother was the strong one. Jacob's not a strong guy here. He's probably in his older years here. Some estimates put him maybe even in his 90s. He's, he's an old guy here. It's not like Jacob was this fierce wrestler and he couldn't, God couldn't overpower him. No, God, all I had to do is touch him and his hip dislocated, right? This, he was holding back. Jacob was just stubborn. He was stubborn, right? This was more about Jacob expressing desperation. He's just, you ever have that point where you're wrestling in your life and you know you're wrestling with yourself? And you just, mm, 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 and you've got to go until you're exhausted because you just got to get it out. That's what's happening here. God's just saying, come on, bring it, bring it, bring it. All i got to do is touch you and I could dislocate your hip. I could have just smushed you in a moment, but I'm not going to do that. 
He's just letting Jacob wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. You had enough? You had enough? You had enough? You had enough? Keep going. Come on, you had enough? Keep going. You done yet? You done yet? All night long, hour after hour after hour, until Jacob comes to the point and he recognizes, I can't do this. I need you to bless me. I can't do this on my own anymore. He understands I'm wrestling with God. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm striving. I'm trying to do it in my own strength. And he gets to a point where he says, I can't do this on my own. I need you to bless me. I need your help. I need your help. Sometimes we wrestle with God and it's not because we're so strong. It's because we're so weak. And God wants to empty us of our foolishness and of our deception. And this was a turning point in the life of Jacob. See, until this point, he had always schemed to get what was in his own best interest. But now, God met Jacob in his desperation and changed his name. See, Jacob means heel grabber, supplanter. But you know what Israel means? Israel means God prevails. It means God prevails. Heel grabber, God prevails. See, God changed Jacob's identity. His identity formerly, Jacob, was about what he had done. I'm a heel grabber. It's what I do. I strive. I grind. I fight. I just keep going. I persist. This is what I do. I try hard. I'm a try hard. Right? I keep going. This is what I do. And God says, your name will no longer be about what you do. Now your name is going to be God prevails. It's going to be about what I do for you. Changes the name from what you do to what I do for you. The distance between what God does and what you do. Oh, man. That's pretty infinite. That's a big deal. A new day dawned for Jacob. So God just changed it. I'm going to change your name here. So, not the end of the story. So now what? So, okay, Jacob's limping. Now, great. I'm going to meet my brother who's about to destroy me. And now I'm not only, right, exhausted from being up all night, but now I'm limping. So let's fast forward. Genesis 33, verse 1. Right. Let's read the story. What happens? They're going to meet. They're going to meet. Here it comes. Here comes Esau. It says, then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. May have soiled himself. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and his servant wives. Right. All right. He just says, like, listen, if maybe he'll just kill one of you. You know, I don't know. Let's see what happens. He put the servant wives. Really good guy. He sent them ahead. You go ahead. You know, he'll get to you first. Right. But the servant wives and children of the front, Leah next, because I really want Leah. And then Rachel, maybe maybe he'll slow down by the time he gets to Rachel and Joseph last. Right. Here we go. Then Jacob went on ahead and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Just want to pause there. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. This is a guy who had always been somebody who was striving for himself. And now. He's taking a posture of submission to his brother. That's a big deal. He was the one trying to trick his brother. Now he's submitting. It says, then Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. That is not the sentence that you thought was coming, was it? Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me. What did he say? Your servant. He identifies himself now as the servant of Esau. Right? Jacob replied. 
Then the servant wives came forward with their children, and they too bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward, and they bowed before him. You see, they're all now submitting to Esau, right? And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? So Jacob had sent all of these, all the animals and everything ahead. And, and Jacob replies, they are a gift. What, my Lord? Again, humility, right? He's trying to... To ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. And this is the verse that just, man. But Jacob insisted, no. If I have found favor with you, please accept this gift for me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. What it is like seeing the face of God. There's all sorts of things in here. The new Jacob, this is Israel now, he recognized the injustice he had done to his brother. He's actually trying to now give the blessing back to his brother. Hey, remember that blessing that came to me that I stole from you? Yeah, remember that? I'm sorry. I'm your servant. This, this, is, this blessing should be yours. All, that blessing came with all these animals and all this stuff, and I just want to give it back to you. He's trying to return the blessing. He attempts to right what he had done wrong, even if it's going to cost him. This is no longer the heel grabber. Right? Something different is happening now. He submits rather than fights. And Esau greets him kindly. Do you think if, if Jacob had tried it his way, that Esau would have greeted him kindly? If, if Jacob would have been like, you know, well, you know, trying to manipulate his way around, tried to run, maybe tried to hide, tried to go somewhere else, like how would that have gone? We'd, we'd, we'll never know. But he says it was like seeing the face of God, that the grace that Esau showed him was like seeing the face of God. And you know what's so... What was... What was Jacob doing the night before? He was wrestling with God face to face. He had just seen the face of God. And he says the face of God looks a whole lot like grace and forgiveness. It looks like me coming to somebody and I'm bowing because I know I screwed up. And you're showing me love. So that's God. I came to Esau, Jacob saying, I came and I'm just bowing down seven times. I'm showing you the ultimate respect. I'm bowing down to you, Esau. I, I, you're, I'm your servant. You, you should be killing me right now. And you're showing me grace. That's what God looks like. And I, I, I should know. I just spent the night wrestling with him. The unexpected kindness of Esau wasn't the work of Jacob. It was the work of a God who prevails. That was God. God did that work in Esau, Right? Esau wasn't going to do that on his own. God transformed Esau's heart. See, God can do what you can and I can't do. We can't do those things. He did in a moment what Jacob couldn't have dreamed of doing in a lifetime. He'd come to the point where he saw the reality that he was incapable of accomplishing his will, that God was able to do so much more and it changed everything for Jacob. So here's the thought for the morning. God wants to rename you from what you do to what He does for you. God wants to rename you. I'm a lot like Jacob. I'll be honest with you. I'm not necessarily... Why are you laughing, Kev? Call me a heel grabber? I'm not necessarily good at anything. Like I didn't stand out. My grades in high school were, eh, college, eh. I can... 
not like the smartest guy. I'm not obviously the biggest guy, strongest guy, not the fastest guy. But you know what I have for me? I'm a hustler. Man, on the basketball floor, listen, there are guys 6'5", 6'7", I'm playing with, and you know what? I'm a gnat. But you know what? Gnats don't go away. I just, I'm an irritant. I just, I just never stop. I just keep going. And that's my thing. See, I'm not great or strong or anything, so my default is to, I'm just going to outwork you. I'm going to outtry. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. And our world values that. We value all the time people who are hustling and grinding and pushing, and we take pride in that. Look at what I'm doing. Hey, I'm going to keep hustling. I may not be good or strong, but look what I'm doing. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. I'm going to get there. I'm going to work hard. I'm a whole lot like Jacob. I strive to make a name for myself some days. It's very easy for me to default to my own strength. He's going to say, hey, God, I know you've got all this stuff, but I know how to work, too. And I know how to work hard and I know how to be diligent. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to rely on myself. And what happens is that my name becomes associated with my efforts. Right. Oh, man, I don't want that to represent me because that's not me. And I'm concerned about what people think about me. So I'm just going to work harder to make people think better. I'm going to try and keep my reputation. I'm going to maintain this stuff. Right. I got to keep this going and it's all in my own strength and I begin to carry stuff that I can't carry. I pride myself on how hard I work, on how much we do, on how much our team. Listen, I love this church. I love what we're doing here. This does not define me. But there are days when you can easily default to that, right? That your job defines you, right? That your family defines you, that what you have defines you, that what you've accomplished how, 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 what, what kind of car that, that car somehow reflects on you, right? What kind of house reflects on you? The state of your lawn reflects on you. How your kids behave reflects on you. What your marriage is like reflects on you. Your history reflects on you. We define ourselves by what we do. We're so much like Jacob. And what happens is when we default to us being the primary person doing the work, oh man, that weight is heavy. Because then we carry the weight of responsibility. If things go wrong, guilt. If things go right, pride. You see, man, oh, it's a dangerous place when everything becomes about what we can do. And we carry that weight. Let me tell you, if you feel stress beyond measure, if anxiety is crippling to you, fear that paralyzes, if, you, if you're just drowning in guilt about times you failed and you've let yourself down, you've let others down, hey, welcome to the Jacob world. That's it, because you're defined by what you do. I define myself by what I do. That's Jacob. That's us hustling and grinding and just saying it's on me. I carry the weight of this. And God's here to say, hey, your name is not what you do for you. Your name is about what I do for you. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. This is a helpful test. If I feel guilty when things go wrong, I'll most likely try to take credit for when they go right. If that's true of us, then we're embracing an identity that's consumed with our own efforts. And God is saying today, very simply, which is the same exact thing he said to Jacob, you need to let go. You need to let go of that. Let go. There are a lot of frozen references. Let it go. 
Jacob had to let go in order for God to do his work. See, God is willing to wrestle with us and exhaust us to the point that we're saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And sometimes it's going to leave us with a limp because he's going to take stuff from us and we're kicking and screaming. He says, hey, I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm not trying to kill you. God, why are you not making this easy? Because he's trying to get you to let go of things that you got your fingers so tightly clenched. Let go. I want to give you an identity, and it's not the one that you think defines you. It's not about what you do. It's about what I do for you. I'd rather limp and know my life is in his hands than run and carry the burden of it myself. You may say, hey, listen, I'm not limping now. No, but you will be. Because the weight of life is crushing and crippling. Because nobody can carry that because we were never meant to. So perhaps today, you need to do some wrestling. God may need to pry some lesser identity out of your hands. Maybe something that you're just holding on to and it's like, you know, I've got to let this go. Right? Maybe, maybe it's your kids. Right? Maybe it's... Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a, a situation, a circumstance where you're just trying to control it and you're trying to manipulate it and you're trying to do all this stuff and God's just sitting there saying, hey, you need to let go of that. Because you know what happens when God shows up? In a moment, he can do more than you could in a lifetime. Right? We're struggling and striving to get inches and God says, I can take you a mile in a second. All you got to do is let go. Let go. Right? And we struggle. If... if what are we costing ourselves by holding on? And it's, again, so easy for us, so easy for us to just default to, I got this. Really. I don't think Jacob really understood who God was. I don't think he could understand who God was until he could see himself clearly. He had to get to the point where he recognized, I don't have this. That's called humility. Humility. Humility is saying things clearly, right? It's truth. It's recognizing and living in the truth, right? If I think I'm doing anything good on my own, guess what? I'm sadly deceived, right? All the time, like, listen, nothing good comes from me in my own strength. Nothing that lasts, right? I'm just not that good. Humility is a never-ending class. That's the thing. You sit there, like, once you think you got humility down, you're like, oh, I'm so humble. Uh, just blew it. There you go. Right? Like, humility is one of those things, like, you can't get there. It just never ends. You continue to go. Because you could be humble, and then guess what? Tomorrow, pride comes back in. Pride continues to knock at your door every single day. It never stops knocking. Every day, it's sitting there going, hey, let me in. Hey, let me in. You're doing a, hey, you know what? You're doing a real good job with your Bible reading. Hey, you're doing really good with this. You're coming to church a lot. Hey, you're being really kind lately. You know, and all of a sudden, yeah, been good yeah right right and then i'll guess let me tell you what it says about pride very 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 simply thomas merton pride makes us artificial humility makes us real pride is vicious it makes us blind to our own deception solomon's got some pretty good wisdom on it said pride leads to disgrace but with humility comes wisdom pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. See, this sense of, hey, I'm good, I'm good, I got this, God, I got this, God, that's pride. That's us thinking that we're better than God and we're strong enough and we don't need his help. And that's a lie. That's Jacob working in his own strength. And let me tell you, Jacob makes a mess of things. When I work in my own strength, 
oh goodness, it doesn't turn out well. And no matter how many times I get to that point, it's so easy for me to slip back into it. This is a daily decision that we've got to make to say, God, today I need you to make, remind me who I am. That I am not what I do, I'm what you do for me. Andrew Murray said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. We've got to just daily die to our pride. Say, God, get this out of me. Stop trying to carry the load to assume responsibility to shoulder the weight. So here's the question for you this morning. I'm going to invite the team to come on up. We're going to close in just a little bit. What part of your identity are you trying to hold on to? What do you need to let go of? I can't answer that question. You have to know that. But personally for you, do just think about it for a moment. What are names that you need to let go of? What are things that you're taking pride in that's absolutely not God's work in you? Paul said this, I boast in this. I boast in my weakness. The only thing I boast in is Christ and Christ crucified. What he's done for me. That's the only thing worth boasting about, not anything about myself. Are there things that you take? And listen, it's not to say like pride is bad, like to be happy with what you do or to be grateful for what you do. It's nothing like that. But we're talking about finding your identity, taking it, Nick said it before, taking on the name, that my name, my reputation is more important than what God has done for me. Jacob, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hustler. Yeah, you are. And you made a mess of things. And God says, hey, listen, let me prevail for you. Anybody? Israel still around? That's a name that has endured. That's not, a, that's not just a guy anymore. We're talking thousands of years. Listen, great, great empires have come and gone. But when God says, I'm going to do it for you, listen, He doesn't fail. He does not fail. It's not about trying, not trying our best. Listen, we should constantly be excellent for God. All those things. It's about recognizing that God is the only one who can do anything of value. And if we're trying to get in front of Him, if we're trying to say, hey God, this is good, but let me take over from here. Let me take over from here, God. I got it today. I don't need to worry about you again today, God. You did yesterday. I got today. No. Every single day I come and say, God, with humility, I got nothing. I need you to be everything. Every single day, God, I got nothing. I need you to be everything. And God will use you. Will you be obedient to those prompts in his life? Because if God is Lord, if we are taking that posture of Jacob, if we are bowing and saying, God, I submit myself, I surrender, I understand in my own strength, I mess it up. But when I let you lead, when I'm responsive to what you're saying in my life, God, you can do abundantly beyond what I can ask or imagine Let me tell you today, it's not just about letting God do that. It's not only about that, but we can't carry that weight. It's crushing and it's crippling. It's not good for us. We're not doing ourselves or the people around us any favors by bearing down and fighting harder, by trying more while keeping God at arm's length. We will let God lead, and He is free to do what only He can do. So, what are those places in your life where you have just taken control and you need to say, God, I got to get my hands off this thing. I got to let go. Is it your family? Is it your kids? Is it your, your marriage? Is it something you've been praying for for a long time, a hope, a dream, a 
like I said, a career? Is it your, your education? Is it just what is it that you got your hands on and you are trying to manipulate? And God's just pointing it out right now saying, you done yet? You done wrestling yet? You done wrestling yet? You done wrestling yet? Because I'm telling you, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Watch what I can do with it. Would you stop being so stubborn? Let go of your pride. And let me rename you. My name. What I do for you. We need to make room for him. So we're going to close. And what I want to do is I'm going to put that high five on there. We're going to just take a time of reflection. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do this. We've got, we just got a few minutes. Just five words. Nick led us through them today already. Thank God. Confess. Ask. Listen. Believe. And here's what I want you to do. One, thank God that he's willing to be our name. Just start off. Just thank God that he's willing to be our name. Two, confess the unworthy names that you are clinging to. God, I want to thank you that you're being my name. I'm going to confess those unworthy names that I'm holding on to. You've got to say it. It's between you and God. You know it. I don't know it. It's not for me. Between you and God, would you just confess those names? Third, would you ask him to help you let go today? Say, God, I need you to help me let go. I believe that you want me to have your name. I confess I'm doing God. Help me let go. And then would you just listen for what he wants to do for you? God, just speak to me today. But I'm wrestling with you now. Would you just speak? Speak new names into my heart. 